0: another goal or challenge that i give my my listeners and my clients is that we have to move from feeling motivated to feeling inspired because i define those differently to me being motivated is more of a have to i have to mindset feeling inspired is a want to i want to mindset wow. and that's a big part of the oh. why welcome to the tribe This is your weekly podcast from Tribe Sober. Whether you're already sober, striving to be sober, or just plain sober curious, you need a tribe. You need a tribe because it's so hard to do this alone. You need a tribe because you need support. And that's where we come in. Here at Tribe Sober, we've got your back. Here at Tribe Sober, we have people at all stages of the journey, all helping each other to stay on track. On this podcast, we've got recovery stories to inspire you, experts to inform you, and plenty of advice on how to ditch the drink and change your life. So here's your host, tribe leader, Janet Gorond.
1: Hello, hello. I do hope you enjoyed our brand new tribe sober voiceover. If you missed out on our transition from World Without Wine to Tribe Sober, then just check out the last podcast. You'll find all the info in there. Now, the guy who did our Tribe Sober voiceover is called Adam Shabley. I came across Adam when I was thinking about starting a podcast. He's got several podcasts, and one of his podcasts is called The Podcasting Business School. Now, after listening to The Podcasting Business School for a few months, I felt inspired So I felt able to launch my first podcast on my fifth Soberversary. It's going really well, I'm loving podcasting, and we've just smashed 20,000 downloads, and this is episode 33, so a big thank you to all our subscribers. So Adam has created a whole community around his podcast, and I love being part of that community. He calls us his PodPals, pals and every month he throws a PodPal Zoom party for podcasters from all over the world. It's always great fun. Another reason why I connected with Adam is that he's got a bit of a transformation story like mine. Whereas I drank too much, he had issues with food. Now we both managed to resolve our own issues and now we're finding real meaning and purpose in our lives by helping others to do the same. Adam's first podcast is called Million Pound Mission, and his goal is to help his followers to lose a million pounds. In weight, that is, not money. Listening to his weight loss podcast and reading his book made me realize that we have so much in common in our approach, the way we try to help people. It's all about mindset, community, and some practical tools. So that's why I'm thrilled to chat to him today. Not only is he great fun, but he's got so much good advice that he uses with his clients that I believe is transferable to those of us who are changing our relationship with alcohol. And of course, if you are trying to lose weight, then you need Adam in your life. So let's go straight to the conversation. Hi Adam, thank you so much for for your time this afternoon. It's lovely to chat. Um, let's start off just by hearing a little bit about you. I, I know you live far, far away in the past because you always tell me I live in the future.
0: <laughs> this is true. Like I, I, uh, I definitely live in the past here in Bloomington, Indiana, way, way back uh, in, in the the time of uh, the middle of the United States. Um, but no, Janet, I'm so excited to be here. You are somebody that I really really I'm excited about knowing as a podcaster and the message that you're doing and I'm kind of a message driven podcaster as well so it's it's really an honor to be here but uh, yeah for those of you that that don't know me or don't recognize this this sultry voice uh, my name is Adam Shibley. I am a full-time podcaster and podcast host uh, I live in the United States in Bloomington Indiana which is probably a place that you've never been and that's okay um, but we uh, <laughs> I am somebody, like I said, I, I am a mission-driven podcaster. I have three shows, and I'm sure we can you know dive into that. But all of my podcasting journey is also tied up with my health journey, which is, I think, a big part of the reason why Janet and I connected and, and why we're here today.
1: Great. Yeah, as uh, as you say, uh, Adam, we, we connected because we've got similar stories, haven't we? We both had issues. You know, mine was the drink and <laughs> yours was more the weight. And we sorted ourselves out and now we're on a mission to help other people. So it's I think it's nice that we've got a similar story. So I wanted to take you back in time, Adam, several years, isn't it? Um, A lot of years, actually, 13 years. 2007, you weighed 330 pounds and you had $40,000 credit card debt. So not a good combination that. (laughs) And you were in a supermarket uh, and you decided things had to change. Take us back to that moment.
0: Yeah, that was my rock bottom moment. And like you said, I was not healthy. I was 330 pounds. I had a mountain of credit card debt from being a 27 year old that wasn't making smart financial decisions. Uh, I didn't feel good about my career. I didn't feel good about my relationships. And I was sitting there in the grocery store with my credit card with a a cart full of unhealthy groceries, wondering if I was going to even be able to pay for those with the room that was left on that card. And I had like 25 credit cards. Uh, So I told myself that I was trying to win all like the little bonus miles and all that stuff. And then I realized I couldn't make payments hardly on any of them. (laughs) And I was like, "Uh oh, this is trouble. But anyway, that night I, I went home and one of my friends had let me borrow a DVD called The Secret, The Law of Attraction. And the funny thing about this is that a separate friend had let me borrow this uh, a couple of months prior, and I pretended to watch it, and I gave it back because I was like, "I don't need this positive self-talk mumbo jumbo." Pretended to watch it, gave it back. It comes into my life again, and when I got home from the grocery store that day, it was sitting there, and I said, "Ah, let, let's just give this a try." I feel like I feel called to stick that in the DVD player and see what this is all about. Can't get any worse, so I did. And that was my first ever dose of personal development material ever in my life. Like I wasn't a big reader or anything. And it changed my life. It, it, The way I like to describe it now is that before that moment, I felt like I was in a car with my foot on the gas pedal, but my hands weren't on the steering wheel. And that moment allowed me to reclaim control. Because up until that moment, the world was to blame. All the situations were to blame. I wasn't taking personal responsibility. And I didn't think that I could or could control any of these situations. It was always the fault of something or someone else. And after I watched that DVD, I learned about the law of attraction and I realized like I'm attracting a bunch of really bad stuff into my life. And the vibe I'm putting out there, I'm not really showing up for myself. So, in that moment, I decided to commit to a, a what I now call my lifestyle rehabilitation statement. Uh, I mapped out what I wanted to create in my life over the next five years. I set a deadline. I wrote out a series of positive present tense affirmations, and I committed to showing up to myself at a level where I would read those every morning and every night for five years or until I checked off everything that I wanted to create in my life. So. I went through that. I I committed to it. I did it. And over that five-year span, I lost over 100 pounds. I met my wife, got married, started a family, erased all my debt, created a business around my own health journey, started helping other people in their health journey. Uh, So from July of 2007 to July of 2012, uh, that that, that five-year deadline, I walk into my brand new fitness studio, an 8,000-square-foot facility uh, in in the the exact location that I wanted in that I kind of manifested I had 30 employees I had hundred people waiting to learn from me at 6 a.m in the morning I had lost over 100 pounds I had helped my hometown by that time lose over 35,000 pounds uh, total so all these amazing crazy things happened and it wasn't because I sat in my basement like wishing it wishing myself thin like I I I, impl- I implanted but I also implemented. I implanted those thoughts into my mind but I implemented on a consistent daily basis and that's how I was able to create all those awesome outcomes
1: yeah fabulous that's a beautiful story Adam and I love the way that you repeated that you know in the morning and the evenings it was always the front of your mind because it's all about mindset isn't it making these massive changes in our life. It's not about willpower. I always think willpower is okay, you know, for a while at the beginning, but it doesn't last. You know, there's new research out about willpower, and it's, it talks about it being like a muscle. You know, it gets tired. It doesn't go on and on. But mindset, you know, once you start seeing, in your case, maybe the food differently, in our case, you know, alcohol differently, then we, we, we switch and it becomes so much easier. I really like that equation that you have in your book, Um, you know, the one about nutrition plus exercise plus strategic thinking because the exercise and the nutrition is so obvious. But you throw in the strategic thinking, and I think, you know, we should do that as well because, and hopefully we already do, but we have, you know, ditching the drink, and we're always obviously recommending exercise to get the endorphins going naturally. But strategic thinking, talk, talk us talk to us about that.
0: You are listening to a podcast from Tribe Sober. Well, that's like, basically when I speak on health, that is my platform. It is, we have to start thinking strategically instead of going, Oh, I did a diet and it didn't work, or I hired a trainer and it didn't work. When a lot of times the nutrition plan or the, the fitness regimen, those were fine. What didn't work is we weren't ready for the things that threw us off plan. Those moments, I call them danger zones. Same thing with people dealing with addiction in, in any sort of way. So, the way I look at it is, from a health perspective, we have to look at those moments where we quit our diet. When we give up on our fitness routine, those life happens moments. That's when, and we are ready for them. So we have to be able to identify, analyze, and plan ahead for those moments. So what I do with my health coaching people is we map out 28 days at a time. when we go, all right, what could potentially throw us off and how, so we identify. Then we analyze it and go, okay, what's the real situation here? What is in our control? What is not in our control? All right. It's, it's the whole stoic thinking. Then based off of what we do have in our control, We say, what can we do about it in advance just to set ourselves up to succeed? So uh, to give you an example, uh, a lot of people struggle with the vacation situation, all right? And some people call it holidays. I know my friends from Canada call it, they don't say vacation, they say, I'm going on holidays. And I actually like that better. I like that terminology. It's much more cheery, which, you know, a lot of Canadian statements are. So whether you go on holidays or vacation, that's what I'm talking about. So people... Really blame the vacation itself and go, Oh, I gained weight on vacation and you know, it's a big danger zone. But really, the danger zone is what happens after vacation when you don't get back into your routine. That's that's the key thing. So, people come to me, I struggle with vacation, I always gain, you know, I lose weight going into spring break and then I gain 30 pounds back afterwards. Like, okay, we've identified that, let's analyze what's really happening. So we look at it and they, they eat, maybe they drink a little bit or whatever on, on vacation, they lose their focus and they're really focused on that. And I go, okay, that you can only do so much damage in seven days, really. But what happens afterwards when you don't get back into your routine, when you don't go back into your gym, when you don't meal prep, when you don't grocery shop and you just kind of go with the flow and all of a sudden three months later, 30 pounds heavier, oops. So let's look at that back edge, so the, the planning ahead like, all right, before you leave for vacation, you're going to have your groceries ordered. You're going to have your fitness sessions scheduled. We know what nutrition protocol you're using. You know what day you are meal prepping. All those things are booked and in your schedule, just like a business appointment in advance before you leave home base and go off to vacation. That way, when you get back from vacation, we're good to go, or at least we're setting ourselves up to succeed. So that's my mindset. And that can be applied, like you said, to any situation where people, where there's willpower involved, when there are slippery slopes to navigate, uh, planning ahead, identifying those danger zones and mapping out a, a potential better outcome in advance, that's going to be a key strategy.
1: Yeah, that's a brilliant idea. I love those kind of manageable chunks of 28 days. You know, what, what's ahead? Let's plan for those 28 days and uh, and it's so true what the slip ups you know we we have this uh, you know you have your strange jargon in the community we talk about the sober bus you know and we say oh she's slipped off the bus but never mind she just must get on again the next day and we managed to convince so many people not to give up, just get back on the bus, because it's it's so easy to think, oh, well, you know, I got hammered last night, I'm hopeless, I might as well give up this sobriety lock. And you don't have to, because it's, it's quite normal at the beginning. You know, I've seen over and over again, it takes people many tries sometimes you know, sometimes they get it straight away, but often it takes many tries. But we see people with their sober stretches, as we call them, they get longer and longer, and that—that's how it works. But yeah, the strategic thinking is great, and we have annual trackers that people plot. And um, if they keep a tracker, they can see the big picture. I mean, it's just a piece of paper; it's a calendar, annual calendar. But they can look at the big picture and see, oh yeah, my sober stretches—they're getting longer. You know, it's not all bad it just helps to keep them strategic. So nice idea there. And um, yeah, this mindset thing, I think it's so important. And I see people when they start, um, you know, on this journey, they say things like, I'll always remember one lady that came to a workshop when we used to do physical workshops back back in time. <laughs> and she she pitched up at this workshop and she said, Oh, God, she said, I'm so depressed. She said, my life is over today, basically. And I recognize that. But my doctors told me I'll die if I don't stop drinking. So, you know, tell me about this dull and dreadful life I've got in store. So, uh, you know, people are full of fear because they think they'll never be able to socialize without alcohol. They're going to lose all their friends. You know, everybody will tell them they're boring. They won't be able to relax. They have all these, I like to call them limiting beliefs. And I just wondered what advice you had for people to overturn those beliefs.
0: Well, it's interesting. Like I really like the conversation in the frame that we're dealing with, people with with alcoholism, addiction, things like that. Because it's challenging me to think about some of my my normal weight loss frameworks even a little bit differently. Like normally I would talk about like my my transformation timeline of like the the different, the three different phases of When I take people on a health weight loss journey, the way I describe it is phase one, we have to, the key thing is being able to identify those danger zones, which applies to both situations, right? Like in in any sort of, of situation, we have to, that once we can really master that, then we are out of what I call the black hole of weight loss doom, where we just keep trying new things, getting a little bit of results, life happens, we crash and burn, we go back and it's just a spiral. So that if you're stuck in that, you're in phase one. Moving into phase two is what I call health, health and lifestyle balance. And that's kind of what you're referring to is I feel like we can just talk about like a learning curve. And initially there's going to be, you know, a steeper curve there as you're learning how to adapt and you're learning how to deal with different stimulus that, that drain your willpower and, and stress situations. But the more effort you put into it, the more focus, the more concentration, things get easier and easier and easier. And it's not like I have to just be constantly thinking about not drinking or not eating whatever. Uh, so, that second phase is where we try to find balance between your health and your lifestyle. And you can, with food, you know, I talk about we can start incorporating like cheap meals and, and cheat, you know, cheap bank and things like that where you go off plan. And obviously, with alcoholism and addiction, that's not an option. Uh, so we are looking more at, you know, just investing time and understanding upfront. There's going to be a little bit more mental and time commitment as you make this lifestyle change, but then you're going to find your groove. It becomes less of a chore. We're making those adjustments and all of a sudden you are feeling in more in control than you have ever felt. And it's not a stressor anymore. It's called a lifestyle. And that, is awesome you see the benefits of that but it's just like it's like lifting weights like you have to put in your reps and you have to yeah. damage that muscle tissue and create scar tissue and it comes back stronger and every workout you do it gets a little bit stronger a little bit stronger it's really really hard at first you're getting really really sore those first few workouts but months down the road it just becomes a part of the routine and you look forward to it and you enjoy it and you actually get energy from being uh in that that lifestyle so that's uh, I feel like we are dealing with the drink, like that's an important thing to understand. There's going to be friction up front, but yeah. keep your eye on the, on down the road. And it's not going to be, you can never be in a social setting ever again. Are you going to be like the lonely hermit in the corner at all the parties? Like get away from me with your alcohol ah. uh, or anything like you're going to be able to handle things in an appropriate way. Uh, yeah, exactly. But you just have to put in your reps. Is, yeah. You have to do the work, it. don't you?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I was writing a blog today and I found myself writing, uh, you've got to find your sober mojo. And I thought, oh, I must have got that from Adam.
0: (laughs) Yes, the mojo. I'm a big fan of the word mojo. Uh, I'm a big Austin Powers fan in general. And that's, you know, the the mojo comes from that, I think.
1: (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So, we've got this exercise that we give to members. It's called um, the why exercise because, um, you know, I'm sure it's exactly the same with, with your people. You start off really fired up, full of motivation. And then, you know, with the drinking, you go through a bit of a low and you think, oh, God, why am I doing this again? You know, this is so boring. But we say to people, if you have a why list, and when, when we do question people about why they want to give up drinking, you know, it's it's huge reasons. They need to give up drinking because, you know, their husband's going to leave them. They're, they're not talking to their kids anymore. They might lose their jobs. You know, there's serious, serious reasons, not to mention the health issues. So uh, once they write that list, we then tell them, you know, to put it on their phone or, or put it somewhere they can see it every day, just like your five-year thing. And I noticed when I was reading your book, you referred to a why not list. I thought that was interesting. Maybe we'll incorporate it. Talk talk to us about why not.
0: You're listening to a podcast from Tribe Sober. If you'd like to join our warm and welcoming community, just head on over to tribesober.com and hit the membership tab. That's www.tribesober.com. Well... I, I look at it like a competing list, all right, and it's it's just as important to understand the why nots as it is the why. So, and, and like the formula that I tell people from the weight loss or any, anytime you set a goal, like this directly applies. If you set a New Year's resolution and it lasted three days, the why nots won. You know, if you set a goal to lose 100 pounds and you did it, the why's won. So you just have to make sure that the, the Y stack or the Y list is able to withstand the compi- the combined force of all of the Y knots Because the Y knots never just happen one at a time. They happen like seven at a time is, is the way life works. So if you aren't able to handle that, the Y knots won because the Y just wasn't big enough. And that's just, I mean, that is just the way that it is. And another goal or challenge that I give my my listeners and my clients is that we have to move from feeling motivated to feeling inspired because I define those differently. To me, being motivated is more of a have to, I have to mindset. Feeling inspired is a want to, I want to mindset. Oh. And that's a big part of the okay. why. If you're in have yeah. to mindset, your why is, well, I got I have to lose 50 pounds because My wife says so, or my doctor, it's all this extra external. My doctor says I have to, and all this stuff. But when it moves into inspiration of, I want to lose 50 pounds, I'm inspired to lose 50 pounds because I want to walk my daughter down the aisle. I don't want my kids to exist or have to live through seeing their dad dead on the floor from a heart attack. I don't want that for them. Like that's the emotional root inspiration. And I feel like that will resonate and hit home with a lot of your audience members.
1: Yeah. I love what you said about the difference between motivation and inspiration. I've just thought up a a tag lag for my podcast. You know, you, you always say you should have a little subtitle And I'm going to say uh, inspiring alcohol-free living, you know, use that word inspiring rather than, and get that message, you know, that you can, uh, you need to, to want this thing. It's not something forced upon you because that was the problem with my grumpy lady at the workshop. Of course, her doctor had said, you're going to die if you don't do something. Oh, I've got to give up drinking. But we see more and more, you know, we've got so many people that have have succeeded now and, and they're just... It's full of joy you know, and yeah. they are inspired. You would describe them as ins- inspired people.
0: Yeah. Well, it's it's important also to recognize for everybody that's listening. I don't want you to think like, oh, I'm not, I'm not inspired. So I, I get checked off the list. Coaches like myself and like Janet, we allow you to borrow some of our energy until you build up your own. So you can come in motivated. That's cool. Come to us motivated. Plug in to what we have borrow some of our momentum, borrow some of our motive, of our energy, and then that will help you convert from mo- being motivated to being inspired. So I think that's important to acknowledge as well.
1: Mm, and that's a lovely way to describe coaching actually. And another thing I like to, of yours, Adam, that you talk about is these anchor points, you know, anchor points for accountability.
0: Yeah, I am huge on accountability and I feel like accountability has a much better, uh, it's much more well received in the sobriety community than it is in the weight loss community. In like sobriety, you see partnership, you see, you know, people supporting other people. In weight loss, they see the trainer screaming at the overweight person on the treadmill. <laughs> That's like, I'm holding them accountable. Ah. Uh, so, I am always saying, you know, accountability is support. Accountability is 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 coaching. Accountability is someone that will keep you on track. When somebody hires me as a weight loss coach and they have a goal of losing 100 pounds, I will tell them, I'm not going to hold you accountable to losing 100 pounds. I'm going to hold you accountable to doing what it takes to lose 100 pounds. That's the difference, and it's a huge difference. I'm not going to sit there and tap my toes and be like, "Well, Janet." not a hundred pounds down yet this week. What's wrong with you? Like that's just pressure and that's negative. And that's like, like the TV show, the biggest loser didn't do us any favors. A lot of people just saw that. Like, why didn't you lose seven pounds? We needed seven pounds this week. Like that. That's not what I'm about That at the true root. That's not what accountability is all about. So Uh, I love being somebody's accountability buddy, but it's going to be there uh, in a very positive, friendly, best friend, cheerleader, you know, again, borrowing energy type of mindset. Now, anchor points, I believe across any, again, any goal that we have across the board, we need to have accountability anchor points. And the way I look at it is we look at all the areas where we spend most of our, our time in our lives. Uh, and in, you know, in a non like COVID quarantine situation, we're normally out and about doing social things. So kind of imagine that if you will, uh, back in the year 2019, imagine.
1: I can hardly remember.
0: Roaming the wilds of the streets, <laughs> interacting with other human beings, oh, no! no. <laughs> hugging, high-fiving. Oh. <laughs> um, so take it, take it back to throw it back to 2019. And you're going to things like work, your, your, you know, social groups, friend groups, uh, church, school functions, things like that. Look at the gym, hopefully look at where you're spending most of your time and think about how can I have an accountability anchor point implemented in each one of those zones. The issue that a lot of people have is they have one. And in the, the weight loss space, it's usually like some sort of trainer or coach or whatever, or a group like weight watchers. Um, and that's an issue. It's like climbing a mountain. When you climb a mountain and to do it safely, you want to anchor on as often as possible, or at least more than once. Because if that one anchor fails, to the bottom we go. <laughs> you know, that's that's really critical. So I tell people like at work, look for an accountability anchor point and it's probably going to be up to you to establish it. So maybe you establish a walking uh, walking lunch work Wednesday and you're going to walk with a group and you know, you do it every Wednesday and you're kind of the leader of it or whatever. Uh, with a friendship group, maybe you've got a group that you always have dinner with on Friday and it, one, the first Friday of the month, you do a bike ride instead or something like that. And you just start looking at all these areas and go, how can I create a healthy situation at home? A uh, meal prep day, family meal prep day, Sunday, all the kids get involved, chopping up vegetables, doing a big healthy me- meal prep meal. And if you want true accountability at home, involve young children because they never forget and they will call you out hundred uh, percent of the time. I have a kindergarten daughter, shout out to Hannah. She is full of sass and fire. And she will call me out if we don't do our family meeting because she has things to say. And it's it's awesome uh, to, to have that at home. And again, these are positive. These are energy givers. These are willpower boosters, not things that are going to be stressful or, or breaking you down. So you go and you anchor on as often as possible in all these different areas of your life so that if you do slip, there's lots of safety nets and safety mechanisms to catch you from falling all the way down. So instead of losing 100 pounds, having your trainer, your trainer moves, uh uh-oh, only accountability anchor point, gain 100 pounds back. You've got these systems in place to keep you in check where maybe instead of gaining it all back, you gain 10 pounds back. Somebody from your walking lunch, work Wednesday goes, hey, it seems like things aren't going so well. Let's talk. And boom, we stop the slide and we move back into positive direction. So that's the way I envision accountability.
1: Yeah, I love it. It's strategic thinking again, isn't it? With your mountain. As you say, if you're climbing a mountain, you can't just have the one the one thing. And I love what you say about children. I mean, we find it all the time, even really young children. I had a story the other day, this lady said, oh, I was in the supermarket. And I put six bottles of alcohol-free wine in my trolley, you know, and, and my daughter suddenly notices it. In the middle of the supermarket, she starts talking really like, I say, Mommy, you've given up drinking. Put that wine back. You can't drink wine. <laughs> so yep. the lady was was quite embarrassed, but they, they, they don't miss a thing, do they? Yep, yep. And, it's amazing. Uh, yeah, and often kids will say um, – when, you, when you've when you stopped drinking, they'll talk to you and say, oh, I didn't like it when you were drinking. Whereas they'd be embarrassed to say it at the time. You know, they wouldn't yeah. want to hurt your feelings. But when you've stopped, so they are beautiful cheerleaders, our kids sometimes. Um, yeah, so apart from these anchor points, you also talk about kind of plugging into to things for motivation Uh, i think you you mentioned listening to podcasts media community you know which is is huge for us any uh any ideas about that what what your people plug into
0: you are listening to a podcast from tribe sober well you hit the the nail on the head with the word community When you're on a transformation journey, I feel like a lot of people say, Oh, I got myself into this mess. I need to get myself out. And it's that ego that always trips us up. We don't want to ask for help. We don't want to ask for directions. We don't want to reach out and go, I'm in financial trouble or I'm in, you know, I've slipped with drugs or alcohol or food or sex or whatever it is. And that there's that barrier there. And I can tell you, it's a much easier journey when you let go of that ego, you ask for help, you look for support, you, like you look for, you search and crave accountability and partnership and community and you walk the path together. Whether it's weight loss or sobriety, it's no different. You know, it's uh, the path is, is more easily traveled if you have traveling partners. And you, then you start to realize that your story isn't like that freak of nature story that no one is like this. So why, why am I like this? How come I can't? Yeah. What's wrong with me? And you start to realize other people are just like you, and then you can figure it out together. You're not in it alone. And it's just, it's something that I really Try to put my stamp on anything that I'm building. I'm like there's always community involved in. It. Like I'm building a lot of podcasting things even now that's like it's always okay, what's the community factor here? How do we bring people together? How do we walk a path together? Because it's just it's I feel like it's the most time efficient and emotion efficient way to, yeah. to go through life is to have a partner, yeah. have a have a team, have a support team, and have a community.
1: Yeah, and the community support each other. You know, it's not all all down to us to give one-to-one help because, you know, we we don't want to put ourselves up there as the paragon of virtue, the teacher. You know, we, we want to be part of a community. Yeah, we, we always say uh, connection is the opposite of addiction. I think that's that's very... I love that. Yeah. Yeah, you should watch. I don't know if you've seen it. It's a TED Talk Um It's called something like Everything You Thought You Knew About Addiction Was Wrong. And it's a a guy called Johan Hari. He's an English journalist. And he talks about an experiment that took place in the 1950s, I think, with rats. You know, it's always rats, the poor rats. And he, uh, he he had these rats in single cages. They were on their own and they just had food and they had water. And then they had water laced with heroin. And the and then there was another cage with lots of rats, you know, lady rats, gentleman rats, toys, food, lots to do, and they also had the same setup. But and the rats that were alone in the cages, they all, I think, 90% of them became addicted. They were on the heroin water, and in the in Rat Park, as they called it, nothing. I'll send you the uh, wow, the talk. It's beautiful. And it's a, you know, it's a proper scientific experiment. It's true.
0: Yeah. And that's so applicable to what we're going through today in in society. And there's so much isolation and everything. So like just plugging into any sort of community vibe, whether it's, even if it's virtual, I think seeing other human beings eyeball to eyeball, talking to them, sharing like that's one of my favorite things about being a podcaster is I do this all day, Janet, like, you know that, like, I, I'm talking to people, I'm sharing, I'm running communities and groups and we're sharing there, but there's human connection, whether virtual or in person, like it's, it's a part, it's an essential part of life. And yeah. we can, I mean, we can't thank
1: God. Them. I know we all spend too much time looking at a screen, but having said that, if we didn't have online stuff in a pandemic like today, I think we'd all we'd all go quite mad, wouldn't we? Just stuck yeah. at home. Yeah. It's it's much, much worse for our mental health than being on the screen too much. So yeah, I love your kind of podcast community, I must say. Your uh your pod party, that's that's such fun and uh I'm I'm gonna steal your idea. You know this wheel that you that you spin and someone gets a prize. I've ordered one from the States, would you believe? We don't have such a thing here. So when I have we have our Zoom cafe every Saturday afternoon for our members. So we're going to have you know our chat 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 which is often you know serious chat for obvious reasons. And then at the end, I'm going to spin the wheel, and someone will win a alcohol-free bottle of wine.
0: <laughs> so exciting! I can't I, I can't believe that you made that that huge investment to get a, a dry erase board wheel. I mean, I know <laughs> I, mean, I paid like thirty five dollars for that 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 piece of technology. Um, yeah, no, I think it's important to incorporate some fun and things like yeah, that. that. When there's well, when there are serious yeah. conversations, it's important that people still smile that they, that you end on a, a positive note. And yeah, kind, kind of, uh, ride, yes, yes. 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 Yes.
1: Anyway, I'm coming to the next pod party cause I want to watch you spinning it. <laughs> Get some tips. I'm sure you do it very well.
0: <laughs> uh, I've broken mine a couple of times. There's, there's some duct tape involved at this point, but um, <laughs> because my kids love to spin it. Also my, my kindergarten daughter, she likes to write things on it. And she's just learning how to write words. So, it'll be misspelled words and she's spinning it and she's like, look, it says cat uh, or or whatever. So, yeah, we're having all kinds of fun with it. Lots of uses. (laughs) Oh, good. Um,
1: Yeah, I wanted to ask you this question because particularly about weight and it might even apply to drinking as well. We hear this statistic, don't we, that um, so many people they lose you know 100 pounds and then they put it on again and they lose it and they put it on again and I'm sure that you've helped many people get it off and keep it off and I just wondered if the people that manage to do that do they have kind of special characteristics special traits or is it you know your your guidance that's helped them do that
0: Yes, it's all thanks to me.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, I thought I'd give you a little uh, little plug to say that. But apart from having you, Adam.
0: No, the biggest part is uh, actually that that third section, that third stage of that transformation timeline I talked about earlier. So there's the escaping the the black hole of fitness doom. There's the rebalancing, fi- you know, finding that balance between health and lifestyle. But the third column in that journey is what I call new purpose, new identity, and that. Is huge because with a major weight loss journey, you eventually lo- run out of weight to lose, like you're done, you know, and you run out, like if you're selling real estate and you have a hundred acres, once you're done selling a hundred acres, there's no more, there's nothing left to sell. So a lot of people lose their identity at that point because that was their fire. Like in my gym that I used to own, we had these boards across the top of the, the gym wall, and it was like the thirty pound club, the fifty pound club, the hundred pound club, the hundred fifty pound club, and you would see these people march up the board, and it's just like personal momentum galore. And but then they get there, and there's like they're out of real estate, and there's nothing left to lose. Now, who am I? I was used to getting that dopamine hit of everybody patting me on the back. Oh, great job, great job. Now, new people are coming in and they just see me as this fit person. And they don't know the difference. They don't know the whole thing. And you start, like, there's an addiction in that, in itself, getting all these accolades and all, these, all this, uh, you know, just positive support. So, as we are on our journey, we have to st- start the process of figuring out who we're gonna become in the next phase of our journey finding that new purpose, finding that new identity. A lot of people uh, that have had su- successful transformations become coaches. Like they've had that experiment or that experience, and now they show others how to do it just like I did. And that's totally cool. Uh, or maybe they write a book or maybe they become a leader in an online form, or maybe they just look for a different physical challenge, like doing adventure races or marathons or a cycling thing or, you know, obstacle course or a powerlifting meet, strength stuff but finding that next thing. Now, that all being said, we have to give ourselves some buffer and some grace and understand that that next thing probably won't be as exciting or as life-changing as this first phase. Because if you've been an alcoholic for 20 years and your life was in the drain and you pull out of that The next phase probably isn't going to be that as impactful as what you just accomplished. And we have to just be okay with that. You know, like going and running a marathon isn't going to feel the same as what you have come through. If you've lost a hundred pounds and now you want to go and become a, a marathon runner, you'll get a charge out of that. You'll be motivated, motivated by it, but it may not feel the exact same as that weight loss journey when you saved your own life. All right. So we have to understand that as well. And we can't go, uh, I just can't find, a lot of people are like, I can't find that thing. It's just not fulfilling me. I'm like, it's, you did that. You changed your life. You saved your life. There's not going to be that, that same thing. And maybe that's why some people do fall back. Cause they kind of want to get back into that. Oh, and now I'm going to lose it again zone. And we're it's just, they get addicted to the accolades and the, the, the process instead of accepting I'm this new person. I'm this new identity. I've got a whole different purpose. I'm taking all this life momentum and I'm moving it to the next phase and I'm going to learn something new. I'm going to get outside of my comfort zone. I'm going to find that next challenge that drives me, that gets me out of bed in the morning and that keeps me going. Um, and again, it's got to come from within that, that inspiration. I, I've helped a few different uh, females that went on their journey motivated by finding love, getting married, But it's all that external stuff. They get married, they gain it all back, plus some, and it's really sad. But it's like, and I'm not saying that I'm not partially at fault for that. Like I I should have been able to, like, I just wish I knew then what I know now. I guess I'm saying like that I could have stopped that. But you know, the first few times it happened, I'm like, oh, what's happening? Uh, So it's it's a tough situation. But we have to move into that next zone. So once you've conquered, or not. Conquer. I guess with, with sobriety, it's kind of an ongoing battle, but once you feel like I'm in control, I've yeah, done yeah. this, I've, I've walked the gauntlet and survived it and I'm out the other side. Uh, what's that next thing that you're going to do? What's your new identity that's going to keep driving you forward?
1: Yeah, purpose is so important. I I say to people, you know, first of all, ditch the drink. And then there's a second phase. You know, we say, create a life that you don't want to escape from, you know, an alcohol free life. And you do. I mean, obviously, I'm doing this. And you also save a lot of time when you're drinking. With my drinking, I was either planning the drinking, doing the drinking, recovering from the drinking. You know, there wasn't <laughs> a lot of time left. <laughs> but suddenly when I stopped, I had all this time on my hands. So uh, I, that's when I set up set up my thing. But I've got a lovely story about purpose, actually. Uh, there's uh, a lady called Claire Pooley, who is a, an author, and um, she wrote a book called The Sober Diaries, And when she was a little girl, she always wanted to be a writer. I mean, that was her dream. And then she, well, she had a, a kind of executive job that she flourished in for quite a long time. Then she got married. Then she had three children and juggled the work and the kids. And in the end, she couldn't juggle. So she stopped working, three kids at home. You can imagine what happens. So she starts drinking a bottle of wine every evening and more in the, at the weekends, puts on a pile of weight and was totally miserable. Anyway, she managed to stop and she ditched the weight and she started writing again. So her first book was uh, called *Sober Diaries*, and it did really well. And then she got some um, because of that book. She uh, she won a um, what's what's it called a contract? Uh, yeah, a, a global contract to write wow. uh, four novels. You know, like a six-figure contract and now she's a full-time writer and her second book the authenticity project is selling really well she's on the new York bestsellers list and you know it's such a beautiful story because she never would have done that writing if she was still drinking and and that's that was her purpose yeah so yeah purpose is everything
0: yeah and turning that corner and and like our mutual friend tamar medford who i know you've had discussions with and like she's taking her experience and turning it into helping people that are are in recovery that want to become entrepreneurs like her. And like, she's coaching them on that. And that's what her, you know, new book is going to be about. And like that, a lot of people discount their life experience as being not that important, but there's somebody out there where if you put out a blog or if you start a podcast or if you just have a conversation your life experience will make the difference and you're uh, that's uh, that's something that we can't discount
1: yeah yeah and i think people like you and me we we have a, a duty really to to help other people if we can
0: every saturday afternoon we open up our tribe sober zoom cafe It's a safe space where our members can connect, check in, and just shoot the breeze about alcohol-free living. If you'd like to be a guest at the cafe one Saturday, just drop us an email at Janet at Tribesober.com. That's Janet, J-A-N-E-T, at Tribesober.com, and we'll send you an invitation.
1: Okay, Adam, well, that's awesome. There'll be people listening to this that are saying... I've got to talk to this guy. Who is he? Where is he? How do we get into Adam's world? I know, but they don't.
0: Well, uh, just beware. It's a wild and, and crazy world. Um, I've got a lot of plates spinning in, in like the, the areas of social media and things like that. Uh, but from a health perspective, you'll always be able to find me uh, at millionpoundmission.com um i've got a new show that's based for the uh, the low carb community that's that's the low carb hustle podcast you can i'm actually calling it a health comedy podcast cuz we do a lot of tomfoolery in there uh which i enjoy my fair share of um but that is another health uh, space that you, that you can find me at as well lowcarb hustle podcast.com. And I'm on Instagram at lowcarb hustle podcast or podcasting business school. That's the whole other side of my life. But yeah, if you say hello on Instagram, you'll get a message back and I'll say hello. But uh, mention that you uh, heard me on, on Janet's show here. And real quick, like I want to address the listener because I realize that you guys, uh, you men and women out there, you may be in a really dark place in your life. And first off, I want to acknowledge the fact that you're looking for resources to step up for yourself and for your family and the people that need you to be around for a long time and looking at resources like Janet's show. So I applaud you for that, but also realize and acknowledge that what you're going through may be the hardest part of your life. It may be the hardest thing that you ever do in your life, but I want you to remember that you are worth it. That's very important. That was something I had to consistently remind myself of when I went through my journey, that I'm worth the reps, I'm worth the time in the gym, I'm worth the time planning things out thinking strategically, I'm worth it. So keep that in mind, your message is important, you are important. And people like Janet are here to uh, let you borrow some of her energy as you go along in your journey. So uh, I've had a blast today, Janet, thanks for having me on.
1: Oh, thank you, Adam. That was really brilliant. And I so agree with you that if people are struggling, they've got to reach out for help. The first step is the hardest step, but once you're in a community of people on the same path, everything changes. As you said earlier, lots of people think, well, I've got myself into this mess, so I'll get myself out. That was certainly me. There was so much shame around my drinking, but that's actually your ego talking. We've got to let go of our ego and ask for help. And that's when you realise it's not just you that has this struggle. You realise you're not in it alone and you can figure things out with others on the same path. So let me pull out a few things from that conversation to highlight. There were so many, but I've tried to discipline myself to just a few. But I've tried to choose things that can be particularly useful to those of us busy changing our relationship with alcohol. So the first point... Adam coaches his clients to approach their weight loss strategically and to be ready for things that will send them off balance, to be ready for that vacation, to be ready for that meal out, to be ready for the family visit. He encourages his clients to plan in chunks of 28 days, just 28 days ahead, and to look in their diaries and to think about what's ahead and how can they plan for it. And of course, we talked about the importance of not giving up after a slip up. Just get right back on track the next day. We also encourage people to think strategically. And we've got an annual tracker which gives people perspective and helps them to see the big picture. So just email me at janet at tribesober.com if you'd like me to send you a tracker. So the second point I pulled out, anchor points for accountability. Another viewpoint that Adam and I share. We've got to break our journey down into stages. We always say at Tribe Sober that we avoid the F word. We avoid the forever word. It's just too daunting. We need to do it in stages and find ways to stay accountable. Get your kids involved. Make them the wine police. They'll love it. Use your community. Of course, that's what we're here for have systems in place. We're going to teach you about those systems. At Tribe Sober, we put lots of emphasis on milestones. We give out milestone badges when people reach various alcohol-free days. And these milestones are, of course, anchor points. They'll give you a dopamine hit, they'll give you the energy to carry on and the motivation you need, and they'll help you to climb our milestone mountain. I also loved what Adam said about the difference between feeling motivated and feeling inspired. I'd never really thought about this before. So motivation is more about doing something because you have to. For example, the doctor tells you to lose weight or give up drinking, whereas inspiration is about doing it because you want to do it. You want to ditch the drink because you want to live long enough to be a grandparent, for example. Now, the goal of our membership and our workshop is to get people inspired, to help them realise they are going to gain so much more than they will lose. And as Adam says, this is where coaching can play a big role. Come to your coach motivated and we'll send you away inspired. You can plug into our energy and our experience. And the last point that I've pulled out is Adam's transformation timeline, which I think is brilliant. And we can easily use that in our struggles with the booze. Recognize the danger zones so you don't keep crashing and feel stuck. Stage two is more about the health and lifestyle balance. He talks about the significant effort that we have to put in at the beginning of the journey but how eventually those efforts will become assimilated into your lifestyle. And that's so true. Just think about your, the first few social events that you go to when you're not drinking. It feels really awkward and you feel so self-conscious when you're telling people that you don't drink. But after six months, eight months, you, you don't even think about it because you've assimilated that change into your lifestyle. And you feel confident and even proud to say, oh, I don't drink alcohol, thanks. And stage three is the big one. Stage three is finding a new identity and purpose. And that's so true. And that's why we've split our new membership program into two bits, really. We want to help you to ditch the drink. And then we want to help move you forward to heal your body and mind and find a real purpose. And we agreed that if we're going to stay off the booze or the junk food, we need to make some significant life changes We can't carry on everything just as it was before because we'll always feel that there's something missing and we're going to get triggered all the time. We have to figure out just who we are going to become now that we are slim and sober. A lot of people actually become coaches and help others to do what they've done. And that's why we've set up our Sober Buddy System for people in our community who are sober and now feel ready to help others. Once we've ditched the weight or the booze, then we can put our energy into something more interesting, into finding our purpose in life. And I think this is a cue for me to read out my very favourite quote by Viktor Frankl. Life is not primarily a quest for pleasure, as Freud believed, or a quest for power, as Adler taught, but it's a quest for meaning. The greatest task for any person is to find meaning in their life. And obviously you'll stand a much better chance of finding real meaning and purpose if you're not numbing out with alcohol or too much food. Finally, if you're listening to this before the 15th of March, then I'll be doing an Instagram Live with Adam on Monday, the 15th of March at 1800 South African time. And we'd love you to join us. So that's it from me. Thanks so much for listening. Please subscribe and share.
0: Till next time. Fitching the drink is like climbing a mountain. It's hard. It takes courage and grit and an experienced guide. And that's where we come in here at tribe sober. We've climbed that mountain and we know the view from the top is amazing. We've used our experience to put together a unique membership program that will support you all the way. We've got challenges, chat rooms, sober buddies, trackers, and milestone awards. And that's just for starters. So head on over to tribesober.com and check out our membership program. It's the essential resource for anyone looking to ditch the drink and change their life.